Blue Tiger Revenge, brought to you by Narpig. Hit the music. back that's right for another episode of the gnarliest comic book podcast on the intellectual dark web yeah and and the known universe and in the known universe and unknown and unknown yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. your streak of streak of blue screaming across the black matter universe this is blue tiger revenge i am comic book creator Tad fucking Galusha, another year older. That's right. It's the milkman's birthday as we record this episode. Right now. And with me, as always, is your favorite and mine, the yeah. king of beards, even though the beard is looking a bit tight. Very yeah. high, very tight. Yeah. But the stash, I got the stash nice and nice and thick. The, the stash is looking thick. Yeah, that's right. As the kids say. That's right. Uh Brian Bales, how's it going, man? Good. Yeah? Good, man. Yeah. It weirdly feels like it's been a while since we recorded anything, but I think it's because we did like a fill-in episode last week. Yeah, yeah. But we're back. We're back. Back Back in action. Yep. And we got a big guest today. Uh, And he's jumping in here in like 10 minutes, so let's not beat around the bush, waste any more time. Okay. Because it is my birthday. It is. HBO and DC Comics, they were like, you know what? Let's give this guy they a did. birthday treat. And they dropped uh, a little gem on the old streaming platform. That's right. Peacemaker, the TV show, came out. Oh, it's I great. The first episode, directed by James Gunn. Uh, I, I watched, I couldn't sleep last night, so I finished work late and then just was like, well, three episodes have already dropped. I guess we got nothing else to do. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm, on, uh, I'm on episode two. I'm I'm just at the beginning of episode two. Okay. And so yeah, what do you think? Do you think so? I I loved it, man. I loved the first episode was great. You just see how well, I don't spoil anything. I'm not. I'm not spoiling oh, okay. anything. I I'm just saying that like I I never knew John Cena could act. He I he's one of those guys that I like him when he's in comedic roles. Yes. It, the few times I've seen him try and do like kind of more serious stuff, it was like like I don't he I don't think you could put him in a serious action movie. No. He's too ridiculous looking he over is. the top. He is. Like he's just so muscular yeah, like But when so, he plays into it, it's great. When he yeah. plays into that, it's great. Um you like, see this him is as the like, perfect yeah. Oh, go ahead, sir. Oh, it's just a perfect say, he's like this naive piece of yeah. shit, right? Like he's a piece of shit, but like you can you can kind of see like they, part of the reason he's a piece of shit is just because he's naive. But, yeah, and they they hint at his backstory yeah. a little bit without explaining yeah. it, like without going into details or putting any spoilers. They kind of show like, oh, we all have known this guy before, right? Right. We've all known this guy. Uh, like you said, yeah, naivety. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but he's like, 
I don't. I think it's a perfect vehicle for Cena though. Yeah. Because it's a. It's like his first like big starring thing, and uh, and it plays to all of his strengths. I think as a an actor and a character. I agree. Um, uh, and the, and the again, supporting cast is great. Um, shout out to Eagly, the man, the legend. Eagly was pretty. I can't remember is. This first episode was when he has the hookup. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. Okay. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. And like it like, you know, James Gunn, you you know that he's like a big horror buff, and so they kind of play into that at the in the, you know, in the end of that episode. I'm not gonna spoil it, but for those yeah. who have watched it, you know what I'm talking about. And I will also say they're really they were really smart with their special effects. Yes. They, because obviously it's a TV show, even though it's HBO, it's, it's got a limited budget, right? So you, they pick and chose their spots where they really wanted to throw it in, and it looked good. Yeah. Like the eagle could have looked really lame and cheesy. Yeah. Which uh, and, I think it would have fit for the show if they if they would have done it that way. I don't think so. Really? Honestly, that's where I would disagree with you, just because they're playing it straight enough. That's true. And also, like, the bar is so high for all the superhero shit that, like, go... Like, I mean, look at, look, look at like like JLA, right? Like, I yeah. mean, fucking roast it. I mean, we've roasted it. You even you're a fan of it, and you've roasted portions of it. It's you know true. what I mean? It's true. Yeah, we were like, oh, how much money did they spend on this motherfucker? And they right. can't get, the, they can't make the guy look like he's running. Right. Like this looks like, <laughs> this looks like 1982 Superman, like yeah. with the weird janky where he's chasing the. Remember that when he's chasing oh, yeah. the um. Oh yeah. The train was it the train and they're like so. first. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. And it's all weird. It looks all. <laughs> it looks so freaky. <laughs> but anyways, uh, the Aquaman yeah, no, joke was great. Um, yeah, I like that they're 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 poking jabs at like the current stuff too, like yeah. the thing, the can't whatever. DC canon yeah. film stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really good. Yeah. I hope they stick in this because it seems like they're HBO shows like this and, um, oh, what was the other one? Um, oh, with, uh, fucking the civil rights thing. Oh, uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Like, those yeah. were two really great, or the, like, that was a really good show. And Peacemaker's kind of shaping up to be something like I think very similar. You know, obviously it's more tongue in cheek, but sure, and yeah, more yeah. funny. But it's it's kind of in the same vein. I'm feeling. I hope so. I hope so. Um, you know, it, it left me very high hopes. You know, and even as I'm what ten minutes into episode two, it hasn't let me down yet. So hopefully, it continues that uh, that high mark. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It um, it's a. It, I would say the pacing's a little slow. Yeah, but that's just because, you know, that's they, the format now though. That's the format. Yeah, yeah. You're getting. You actually get to know the characters. Yeah, really well. All of the characters. Well, not all, people but are, all. You know, people are complaining uh, about some of the pacing and and uh, action in Boba Fett as well, and. I, yeah, I haven't watched a single one. I've heard. I know some people love it, and it sounds like some people hate it. But at the same time, it's just like it's more Star Wars shit. It like, is. Well, I'm sure, it's some of whatever. The reason, like a lot of the reason people don't like it is because they think they they feel it's not violent enough. They, they're like it should be R rated, and I'm like they're not. Gonna t- they're not going to take yeah. a character out of a kids movie and and turn him into an R rated character. It's just not yeah, going to happen. Yeah. You know. 
Um, Star Wars has been PG and very light PG-13. The and that would be like what, like Rogue One was probably light PG thirteen. Yeah, the the all of the the new Disney movies have all been PG thirteen, and like okay. probably the darkest one, uh, Revenge of the Sith, was PG thirteen. Um, okay, but other than that, I mean, there it not hasn't necessarily been a like super violent show. I mean, the one that pushed the limits was Mandalorian, I think, in terms of violence. You don't um, think Rogue One pushed it? I, I, yes, I think it did, but yeah. I'm, I'm just saying in comparison to Boba Fett, like you have to make it different than Mandalorian. What Mandalorian was, sure. Um, and then, I mean, you're also talking about Boba Fett, the character who had in Return of the Jedi the most comedic death. Like he gets hit with a stick and then falls into the Sarlacc pit. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, like, come on, people, like. Watch Peacemaker if you need some rated R violence. If you want fun for the like, Boba Fett's at the end of the day, it's a family oh, show. It's a show for families. On Peacemaker, you gotta stick through it through the credits. There's little bits at the end of each credit, little additional scenes. Okay. From like moments in the in the in the that episode that just add a little bit of like banter, comedic, oh, whatever. Cool. Yeah, I I learned that. On accident, like the hard, like on accident. So I had to go back, and oh, I mean, they're throw, they're like throwaway scenes, like stuff that probably like got cut. Yeah, but they're really great. Like they're just great little bits that add to it. Okay, I'll have to go check that out because I uh, I missed that in the first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's who wants to sit through five minutes of credits? But uh, that's they get you now. Yeah, that's they've uh, thanks thanks Marvel. Um, <sighs> yeah sons of bitches but yeah yeah, man uh anything else before we jump into it with uh our honored esteemed special guest uh no i'm ready to rock and roll all right wait 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 what what What? did you get for your birthday oh uh my sister got me she pre-ordered me a book on like pterodactyls okay and then she got me, uh, yeah. Uh, and then she got me. Uh, there's a new art collection of. Uh, oh God, what's his name? Tarada Katsuya, I think that's how you say his name. He's a Japanese artist. She picked that up for me. Cool. And then, um, what did the doctor, old doctor wife, get me? She. Uh, Shame. She made you get a haircut. She made yeah, made me get a haircut. Fuck, I'm blanking. She got me something. Wow. Wow. Oh, she I showed you. She got me a bunch of Copic markers. That's right. She nice. got me a big Copic marker set. Yeah, I just I got them early. Way early. Um and yeah, so it was a good 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 nice good birthday. See, that's the problem when you're so close to Christmas, man. That's true. You know. That's true. I like, wouldn't know, but you know. You just yeah, yeah, you, you've already gotten people blow their load early and then <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, okay, well. Yep, I'm going to go to bed now. Um, <laughs> well, let's... <laughs> wow. <laughs> let's uh, let's continue the birthday celebration, and uh, we'll we'll bring in our special guest. Yeah, let's do it. Check, one, two. Tiger milk, tiger milk. I like tiger milk. Give us some more. 
and we're back we're with back. our esteemed special guest who we met down in Seattle at Emerald City Comic Con, Jim Mafood. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for being here. I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing really great. It's my birthday today. I'm a year oh, older, but yeah, hey, okay. I'm here. Happy birthday. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's good timing. I get to kind of like take the evening off, have some fun, hang out with some people. This yeah. is good. So so no, no huge party tonight or maybe later or... This, this is, is it, it man. Okay, this is the party. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's cool. This is the no, party. I, I uh I'm going to jump out of this and do some some layouts. I guess I got some deadlines wow. to deal yeah. with. So, yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true freelancer. I I respect I respect that. Yeah, that's what you know. Right, uh, yeah. Speaking of uh of deadlines, you've got uh volume 2 of uh Girl Scouts uh, is firing up right now, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have a new series. I actually have these conveniently right next to me. Uh, Girl Scouts Stone Ghost is my new comic series. That's issue one. That's issue two. Two just came out like a week ago. So new six issue series published by Image Comics that I'm writing, drawing, coloring and lettering and editing and Basically doing it's, it's basically self I'm self publishing my own comics and image pays the bill. There you go. Yeah. So it's awesome, man. It's it's I love being in control of like my whole IP and the direction of what I want to do. But at the same time, it's also like, oh, yeah, this is sort of an insane amount of work that just controls your life for the year that the book is coming out or however long, sure. mm-hmm. you know, so it's something I started a couple of years ago. And then um, I always make sure I have enough issues in the can before I solicit. So yeah. there's no lateness, you know, um, right. Although there is some lateness right now, just not my fault, but just due to resource and paper yeah. shortages. I'm sure That's you guys a- know, like at the printer printers yeah. are like weird right now. Oh so, yeah. Where does uh, is image to their printing over in Korea? Or are they domestic? No, it's funny you ask that because with the first three issues of this new series, we've had three different printers. Oh, wow. So the first issue was printed in the States. The second issue was printed in Canada. And the third issue is a different printer somewhere in the States. But I've had to deal with three different printers sending me three different styles of PDFs to approve. <laughs> And it's just because image, like it's not their fault that they publish so much that they're basically like wherever your book can be printed on time is what printer we're going to use. Right. Yeah. For that issue, for that month, for whatever. So it's been kind of a clusterfuck, but um, so far so good. I mean, yeah, the books are printing great. I mean, it looks good, but it's just, it's just, it's very different than, um, the last Girl Scouts I did was just in four, about four years ago. And it's just a different landscape now, man, with not just comics, but also with the world, resources, printing. Yeah, I'm sure you guys know all this, but it, it is, I'm learning. I thought I knew everything about comics production and I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah it didn't seem like, that was like the one thing you never really thought about um before right before the the whole pandy and all that kind of stuff is that uh when it came to like paper resources 
it was just kind of like, well, I, I just got to worry about getting it to the printer in time and then we're good to go. Or now you have this whole new dynamic that's just, like you said, it's completely kind of changed the landscape uh, where, I mean, like you said, you, you like to be ahead on projects um, and you said you're, there's some delays right now. I mean, how far, how many issues ahead were, are you on, on Girl Scouts? Well, um, I mean, I'm finishing the last issue right now. Okay. I'm, I'm working on six and two just came out. So I'm all good, good. with yeah. scheduling. But um, like, you know, I, I prided myself on turning everything in on time. And then issue two was delayed just by one week, just because of the printer backups. Sure. Um, moving forward, issues three through six, we're not anticipating any problems. But at this point, man, it's like, shit, who knows? Yeah. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> Yeah. So image is just like, just meet the deadlines. And then if something happens at the printer, comic shops know what's going on and and they know not to be pissed at the creators because it's just yeah. like, for example, I went to the comic shop yesterday for new comic day, one of the stores in, in my neighborhood and they didn't get any of their image books. Oh, so wow. there's just, it's like, yeah, we didn't get them this week. Maybe tomorrow, maybe yeah. next week, but I, same thing like, happened right. in my shop. They don't have, they didn't get any of their books this week. So oh, shit. they might get okay. them tomorrow. They're ho- that's what the tracking says, but we'll see. Wow. I gotta be honest. I haven't been to the shop in a while. I just kind of just haven't been going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I go uh, just out of habit on Wednesday because I like having that as a ritualistic thing. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. I go to, uh, there's a couple of different stores I like to frequent here in Portland. Portland has really, really, really great comic shops. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you, you're in Portland, Oregon? Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, um, I was in Portland for like eight years before I just recently about what, three, four years ago, moved up to yeah. Anchorage. Oh shit, um, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, so I'm like up in Olympia. So Oh wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm guessing you probably go. Let me get let me guess here. Probably like Floating World, Cosmic maybe Monkey. Cosmic Monkey. And, um, yeah. And Excalibur. And Excalibur. Okay. Yeah. Those are my those are my three. Um Cosmic Monkey. I I know those guys the best. Like I love that shop. They're great. I mean Floating yeah. World is obviously where you go to get your arty, weird, eclectic stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Excalibur is like um, what I know. um, Debbie, who owns the place, is really great. And I think that that's the oldest comic shop in Portland. They've been there for over 40 years. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. I love I love going there because it reminds me of a classic old school comic shop with like all the back issues. Right. right, And um, but yeah, man, I still go on Wednesday just because I, I love that. It just goes back to my childhood of having that ritual of like. Even if I don't buy anything, I just like seeing what's on the shelf. Yeah. Um, but I just love the brick and mortar comic shops and I don't ever want to see them go away, but I know that the more we move into the future, the more of kind of an outdated system this is. And that it hurts my heart sometimes. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I I go back and forth. Sometimes I feel like, it's it's gonna go that route, and then other times I feel like, well, I don't know, maybe maybe the there'll be a resurgence because then like you see like like kids comics are doing an all time high, and it seems like com- like shops that are able to diversify and actually like you know 
fill that niche. I know the, there's one big shop here in Anchorage and uh, they have, you know, they do a really good job of they've, they've got some of the artsy books, they've got the mainstream stuff, but then they got a whole kids section. Yeah. And I mean, like Bri's been up there a few times with me and it, um, and it is swamped. You go in there and it's always so busy and oh, wow. yeah, yeah. And like they, they'll Same bring people shop. up. Yeah. yeah. They bring people up to do signings and then they have a big like gaming community that they cater to. Uh, so they do tournaments. It's really, I think as, as long as shops are able to diversify, I think they're able to, um, I know the shop here, like I've talked to the guys who run it and they said like, you know, gaming basically pays for everything. 100%. Like, uh, oh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's just one of those, like, I don't know. I, I really hope it doesn't go. <laughs> well, I mean, you and I are like, I mean, we're, uh, we love just having the book in our hand. So yeah, there's, there's, are you just, are you like that too, Jim? Yeah. You, ta- ta- you like that tangible, you know, like, yeah. like, or like, even like you get like an old comic, you know, and the pages are all faded and has that funky smell like oh, yeah. it's just so rad nope. you know that's that's my other thing is like i got back into digging again like five or six years ago and just going to like quarter bin boxes dollar yeah. boxes finding old like treasures from the 70s and 80s and just like you said like that look of the work on newsprint and so to me it's a very like tactile sensory yeah Kind of thing that I, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of this is rooted in just nostalgia of being a kid and having stacks of comic books in my room. Um, I, I'll read some things digitally, but I'm still like pretty yep. much a, a, a paper print guy. It's just what yeah. I'm attracted to. Yeah. So, so I, well, read, that, I read that my kind of- iPad at, at night. That's when I like. Mm. That's my. That's my. That's my bedtime rituals. I'll read com. I'll have like wow. the unlimited apps, like Marvel oh, and yeah. DC Unlimited. So I'll read like uh old stories you know or ones that i never read and then uh but i much prefer it's it's hard to read comics in bed without getting them all ruined and stuff so right yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. what are you what are you doing in your bed man reading yes. man <laughs> okay this is aggressive reading that's yeah. happening Just very, very aggressive <laughs> yeah so um, with well, the Marvel with the Marvel unlimited you can literally just read the entire history of like yeah ghost writer or something yeah, just yeah. Read, it's wow. cool that's cool yeah that yeah that is pretty that's pretty awesome that's pretty that's yeah. a good resource I, I, to have yeah I, I guess that would probably save a ton of space too versus having oh, it, every single issue of I mean, ghost rider <laughs> don't get me wrong i still i've still got boxes of comics but uh, yeah you know so okay when i first met you jim you probably don't remember this but we actually tabled together right next to each other at Rose City Comic Con in Portland. And you were working, or you just got done doing uh, a run on, I think, Tank Girl. Yes. And yeah. uh, you'd given me, you were, I by no means, because I, I was like just starting, I was like working as like a ghost at the time. And I'd done something over at like Dynamite. And I think I was doing a little bit of stuff over at Dark Horse. And you were, super nice to me because you're i asked like oh you know how'd you like working on tank girl and you know you're you, you're like very accommodating to because i was not i was so i was terrible let's just put it that way i was a terrible <laughs> artist at the time and you're like oh yeah just email uh who's the writer on that was it martin oh, oh alan martin yeah yeah you're like yeah, yeah just email alan martin man send him some samples i'm sure you could ju- get on on uh, tank girl no problem 
which I did do that. I never got a response, but I did do that. Okay, okay, um, well. Yeah. And you gave me great. Right. I was, I was like confident. He was like, I'm going to get on there. Oh man. I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to get on there. It's going to be awesome. But um, I just, that, that's wanted- how I got the job. I just hit him up on Facebook. I just really met and became friends with Alan on Facebook and was like, Hey, huge respect to you and Jamie. And then he hit me back and was like, Oh, I know your work. Do you want to maybe draw the next Tank Girl series? I was like, fuck, uh, it was just that easy? Sure. Awesome. Sure, let's do it. You know? oh, that's the only good thing that ever came out of being on uh, Facebook. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's the only yeah. thing. That, Otherwise, yeah, definitely. it's pure garbage. But, yeah. but that kind of, that leads, I guess, kind of leads me into how did you really get rolling in this kind of like crazy industry besides just e- emailing the, you know, the tank girl crew and jumping emailing, on there. Emailing important people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I came up in the eighties era where we were all like self-publishing mini comics and zines. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And, and so just hustling that stuff while I was in art school, while I was in college going to conventions and handing out like, sample packets of my work but then um i actually self-published like the first two issues of girl scouts when i was still in college at like magazine size and they were just printed like at kinko's or whatever yeah and i started going to conventions and handing those out and i eventually started getting work from people that just saw that i was like serious and i was a hustler and and because back then it was like the internet was around, but we weren't using it to um, right. network. There was no social media. So when you would roll in and have a stack of your own self-published stuff, I think regardless of the quality, people would just look at it and be like, well, shit, this guy actually took the effort to write and draw his own comic, publish it, print it, staple it. Like, yeah. Okay. This, this dude's serious. And, and a lot of people, I think when they see that that hustle, they're willing to give you a chance, yeah. knowing that if you're if you're willing to stick with it, you're going to get better with time, which is what happens to most artists. It's just it's just getting that first shot, man. That's like always the it's always different for everyone, but um, yeah, it's it's that first shot that's like, can someone just put me on and take a chance on me. Right. 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 You know, right. and and that's something I always tell like young artists is, is it's like, you, you have to have the talent and be in the right place at the right time. But it's also like, you need to find that person that's willing to give you that first shot. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. kind of take a chance and know that, you know, the work is going to improve from, from here on out, hopefully. You know. Yeah, I, I I can't remember who it was. I did an interview once at some publisher, and they told me they were like they said something like the best the best way to get better is to get on a book. <laughs> and, yeah, and I was like, that's probably the most realistic thing I've heard in this crazy industry yet. Is it's true? Yeah, yeah. It, it's I so mean, tricky. Yeah, it's painful because you are growing you're growing in public. I mean, you're, you're going through growing pains. Where yeah. it's like, I mean, I have work that was published in the mid and late nineties that I'm embarrassed of now, but it's out there. It exists. And it's part of my history. <laughs> right. But as an artist now in 2022, doing what I do, looking back on that, it's like, yeah, this isn't my best work. Of course. Yeah. But you, you kind of um, go into the situation where you're like, all of your growing pains are being put out in public. 
Right. Oh, yeah. 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 So, but I don't really know any artists. Even more so now in a social media world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't really know any artists. I mean, the reassuring thing is, is I don't know any artists that are like super proud or super stoked about their earliest work. My, you know what I'm saying? Like most. Oh, I know. Yeah. Are, I always. I like to think that anytime you meet an artist in any field, right, where they're, you know, whether it's music or film or, you know, illustration uh, or writing, if they're not growing, then there's probably an issue there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yep. if they're not growing in some way, there's a problem there. Like they're too, they're clinging on to like what they did way too much. Um, and it's probably more of a personal problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's weird. It's, and it's something I've had to explain to people throughout the years, too, is people will say, well, your style has changed so much during your career, during the years. And to me, it's like, well, yeah, that's what that's what art does. Art yeah. changes like my favorite musicians didn't make the same record over and over again. Mm -hmm. They they experimented. They tried new things. Sometimes maybe that didn't work. Sometimes it does work. But sure. to me, the journey of art not just making comics but the journey of making images is like this experimental playful thing that happens that sometimes you might go on a left turn here and it's like oh shit i didn't know that was going to happen and yeah. it could be good or it could be bad but for me i i'm a big part of my work and my style is um like experimentation and also just keeping it fresh for myself so i don't get bored because i I do this shit every day. Yeah. Oh, so, definitely. You know, I'm having a blast doing my stuff, but I don't ever want to get to the point where I feel like I'm rehashing the same old stuff over and over again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what? And I would say that's probably one of the things that is so apparent about your work is that you can see the, like the playfulness with the medium, which I think a lot of artists, we're so caught up in like how our work is judged by readers and editors and so on and so forth that like, sometimes you do get stuck in like, um, like a stylistic rut or you just work with like, I only use tech pens and I only use stencils and that's all I'm going to use. And they never get outside of it. So like, I always commend the artists who have that, like, I guess, consistency, but at the same time, I like seeing guys like, uh, like, well, when we saw you in Seattle, you were like printing up, like, I just, I picked up that, uh, that pop-up funk mm -hmm. book, oh, which yeah, I yeah. was like, thing is yeah, which I was, yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. like I bought it. Cause I realistically, I was going, what, what am I going to do with this thing? And I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to put it on the shelf because whoever comes over, I'm going to pull it out and show it to them. They're going to be like, what the fuck? This is a comic book. Holy shit. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. one of those, that's one of those things that the, the sheer, the sole reason it exists is almost just to show other people. It's just to be yeah. like, look at this crazy shit. Like, and then, yeah. but yeah, I mean, the fact that it exists uh, makes me very happy because I wouldn't have thought of that on my own. That was my buddy who designs my website and figured out the paper mechanics of making the pop-up books. My buddy, yeah. Austin Meyer, who my mind works real like uh non-mathematically when it comes to art very organic very instinctual mm -hmm. and sure. so you have you have to have the yin to that yang is a guy like rostin who is a designer and who thinks very mechanically and mathematically 
and is explaining to me like, here's how we can make this and construct it and make it a physical, tangible object that we can sell to people. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, wow, okay. I don't know how to do that. I can draw anything. I can, I can draw new supplemental material for the pop-ups, new background stuff that you need, but the mechanics of how this works and folds and constructs, I have no idea how to do any of that. Yeah. So that's yeah. where, that's where like the partnership comes in. And then we make this thing that I, I wouldn't have thought would have existed, you know, before. I mean, so it, was, it was cool, man. It was cool. It, it's yeah. It's one of the, I have it right front and center or like on my, nice. so whoever comes over new, I'm like, you got to see this. I got to show this to you. You know, like you're going to be blown away. I've never seen anything like this before. Awesome. You know? Yeah. Thank you. But, um, well, I guess I'll ask, I, I want to ask the next question then would be like, is there, because you, you do, your work is so organic and you know, you are experimenting all the time. Is there a, like a, a method to your, your, your madness? I mean, like, do you have a process? Do you start in pencils and then just work your way up? Or do you start digitally? Like, uh, I mean, if there's even a way of breaking that down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every piece is sort of different, um, but I'm I'm still a real diligent sketchbook worker. So at night, I'm usually on the couch behind me, just doodling in my sketchbook, kind of preparing for what I have to do the next day and um, looking at comics, going through reference material. But mm-hmm. yeah, it starts with me doing just sketchbook work, thumbnails, figuring out if it's a variant cover or a, or a single illustration, figuring out the layout design, if it's comics, which I'm doing right now with Girl Scouts, it's having the script in front of me, breaking it down page by page, doing thumbnails. So in that sense, I do work like very traditionally in, in yeah. a sense. But then when I'm sitting down to make the actual piece, that process can become very organic and experimental where sometimes I'll have the layout and I'll be like, and and maybe some photo reference and I'll be like, man, I think I might be able to just get this straight in ink. Like, let me just try drawing this straight in ink and seeing what happens. Yeah. Other times wow. I have to fully pencil, use a light table, photocopy mm-hmm. the sketch, blow it up, shrink it down. And so, yeah, it, it I don't have a one specific answer, but the specific part of it is it's all rooted in play and experimentation with that foundation of um, getting all the technical stuff down in a sketchbook. Usually. See, I, I see. I like that. I always struggle with the starting and I'm, I'm at that point in my career where I'm doing comics, I guess you could say is like the day job. Like, but then I also take these side things. Like right now I'm doing like concepts for, a bunch of like, I guess you could say like film pitches, you know, cause right now, you know, all the streaming networks and stuff are looking for material. And so yeah. anyways, I I'm new to that. And one of the things I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I thought, I, I guess I, I pull all my reference material and then I'm kind of like, Oh, how do I start? Uh, I normally I'm used to having a script and then I sketch and thumbnail on the script or on a separate, you know, in the sketchbook and then get started. But this is like a whole new animal for me. So I, I know that's one of the reasons why I want to ask the question, just because like, I know you've done like film stuff before. Um, mm-hmm. And also you just, you're not afraid to jump into using different mediums and materials where I tend to sometimes uh, get lost in sticking to 
what I'm familiar with, I guess. Yeah, no, that that's understandable. It's also like, I try not to get too dependent on like reference and stuff because I, I have like endless folders of reference on my iPad and stuff. And yeah. you can lose half a day just going through like reference. And so, um, Reference is great, but it's also like you don't want it to be the ultimate crutch that makes or breaks a piece for you. So um, I try and keep it organized where I'm like, okay, what what is the essential reference that I need for this piece, the pose I'm looking for? And then I have to go into it knowing like I'm going to build so much onto this that the reference is just this loose blueprint and, and it's really going to be on me pulling out my bag of tricks to make this thing work. Yeah. So, wow. and I mean, I'm obviously, I'm obviously not a, um, a digital artist, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I know a lot of younger artists now that are like literally just tracing photo reference mm-hmm. and, and using yeah. that in comics or whatever. And, I have mixed feelings about that, but it doesn't really affect me because I'm so organically based and everything comes out of my mind and filtered through my style that that's not even an option for me. So like I said, when I'm at night looking through doing sketches and looking through reference and inspiration, those are all just kind of loose blueprints of me knowing like, well, it's all, it's all on me to like, crush this shit tomorrow when I actually sit down on the real at the drawing table piece of board and the inks and the pencils. And it's like, that's where I shine, man. So I I can't, I can't be um, a slave to like uh, the reference or, or the research. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I got to wake up in the morning and crush this shit. That's such a good attitude to go to bed with too, you know, especially to get up and start the day that, yeah. Yeah. So I think I know right now, just with everything, it's been a big struggle for a lot of artists. So hearing you say that, I think at least for me is like, yeah, I got, that's how I need to do it. Approach, get up and crush the shit tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still, I'm still excited, man. Every day to get up and do art and make images and make comics just because like, the fact that I'm able to do this as my job, the novelty has not worn off on me over the years. Like I still remember that feeling of being like a 13 year old kid and going into the comic shop and seeing all the comics and art and being like, I want to be part of this world. When I grow up, I want to do this. I want to make art. When I grow up, I want to do comics. I want to do illustration. I want to do album covers. Like how the fuck do I do that? And so that, like I have, there's part of me that hasn't forgotten that struggle or journey of like mm-hmm. figuring out. And then once I got it, I, I was just like, I can't ever fuck this up. Like I can't screw this up. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. You know, you feel like you're given the keys of the magic kingdom and you don't want to like, you don't, don't lose them. Yeah. Don't lose them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to lose it. You know, now you, you, uh, you actually gave me a nice little segue into something I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, cause we've talked about a lot about, you know, nostalgia going to the comic shop, you know, when you were a kid. So I'm curious, like, you know, going into those comic shops as a kid, like what, what were you reading at, at that age? Like what kind of, what was the books that got you into that got you hooked? 
Yeah, I, I started off as a Spider-Man fanatic. So I was picking up um, in the 80s, the Marvel Tales reprints of the original Stan Lee and Steve Ditko Spider-Man stuff. Oh, wow. Not realizing yeah. that that stuff was from the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, so my first exposure to Spider-Man was the Steve Ditko version, which I still think is the best. I love his shit. It's so yeah. weird and surreal and psychedelic. So... I was buying that. I was being a kid, a child of the eighties. I was buying GI Joe Must. every month. And, um, yeah, I, I, man, I, I got super lucky and discovered some older kid turned me on to the Ninja Turtles, like right before it became the cartoon and the yeah. toy. Oh, yeah. oh so wow. I, I picked up like issue 10 when it came out of the original black and white series. And that like completely transformed my brain discovering yeah book yeah have you so, have you worked on turtles yet you seem like uh, you, i think you're you'd be a good fit for to do some stuff on that i would love to i haven't i did a variant cover for them for idw for san diego a couple years okay. ago but ironically man um when i was living in la i wound up meeting kevin eastman yeah. and he gave me a shot to do a uh short 10 page story in heavy metal magazine when he was still the publisher cool oh, so so i didn't work with Kevin on a, a heavy metal thing, but um, I would love to do something. Do you, ha do you have Kev's contact info? I have an old email that I don't know. I'll get you. I'll, I'll get you stuff. Okay. That'd be if great. You want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough. I got to work with him on a few things and then I worked on, oh, right. What was that thing that him oh, and I worked on? It was uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Munchkin uh, board game. Yeah, it was oh, really yeah. cool. I did all the pencils and he did all the inks. Okay. And so, yeah. So like for like a nice, like six months, like I got to work like, you know, back and forth with him. It was actually kind of a, a surreal experience. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I never told him, but it was one of those where I was like, fuck, this is the guy that like, these were like kind of the first comics I read that like in the bathroom of elementary school of like second grade, this was like currency you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, during lunch this is what you traded to get stuff. It was awesome. turtle comic. Yeah. And now I hear him like working with the guy who, you know, created it. It was, I don't know, it was, it was, it was an awesome experience, but he's a great dude. He, Kevin's like so great. And he was one of our nice guy, just a good dude. Nice. Yeah. Like we, we met a couple times cause he was still living in LA as well. And we would just grab like lunch and, a oh, coffee cool. and just hang out and talk. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was like, heavy metal doesn't pay great, but I, you can literally do whatever you want in these 10 pages. Oh, that's awesome. So have fun. So that, that, that was, that was really cool. Um, yeah, that was rad, but yeah, I would love to do something, um, turtles related. So I'll, I'll hit you up after this, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Perfect. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, man, um, with the comic shop stuff too, it was like, when I went into the comic shop for the first time, I was buying comics originally at the grocery store that my mom went to every Friday. So that's how I discovered comics. Cool. Yeah. Just on the magazine rack. But same. As soon as, same as, soon as I looked in the yellow pages and saw that there was an actual comic book specialty store in, in, in St. Louis where I grew up, I begged my parents to take me there. We went to this spot. It was called Bob's Comics. Super small hole in the wall, like dark, dingy, yeah. old school, <laughs> yeah. weird comic shop. As they yeah. should be. But um, 
I think it was like, I mean, it must have been 86 because uh, Dark Knight Returns was still on the shelf. Oh, shit. So Dark Knight Returns was coming out at the time. And um, I vividly remember seeing issue two where the cover is Batman all like gnarled and looking yeah. like a, a monster. Yeah. And I was very like shocked and disturbed by that image as a kid. I was like, why is Batman, Batman? Batman. Yeah. Why is Batman a monster? And I showed it to my mom and I was like, can I, can I get this? And she looked at the price and she was like, $4. We're not paying $4 for a comic book, you know? Yeah. Cause it was the prestige format. And yep. at the time, monthly comics were still 60 cents and then they went up to 75 cents. Okay. So it was just one of those things, a uh, funny memory of being like, I held Dark Knight Returns issue two in my hand when it came out. I just couldn't get it at that time. It, w- it was years yeah. later when I started like yeah. earning my own money. Yeah. That I had but, to. But, but it was good. You had good taste in comics, though. I mean, that's like an all time classic. I can't say the same. I was at, uh, Cap I was a kid. Wolf. Cap Wolf. So I would. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Wow. So, I was a big universal yeah. monsters kid and I was probably like, I don't know, six or seven. And we were visiting my grandmother in Nebraska of all places, like tiny little town. I think we we're in Lincoln, Nebraska. Anyways, we went into some grocery store and cap wolf was on the shelf and I was like, Whoa, it's a werewolf. And he must be a soldier of some kind because he's wearing the American flag. That's hilarious. (laughs) And that was, and then, yeah, that was my like gateway drug into the, yeah. But now I'm like, I think back, like, man, that was such, that was out of all the Captain America stuff. That was by far the worst. And I was like, it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't last for long either, obviously, right? That him is, I think he's like six issues or something, you know, it was in that period (laughs) where, I don't think his books were selling very well. So they were just kind of throwing paint at the so wall good. and hoping it sticks. I love yeah. It. Yeah. I love but, it so much. Hey, whoever worked on it, you know, they drew the shit out of it. So I'll give him that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Is that Ron Garney? No, he was, he came on later. Like, okay, I think, okay. yeah, I think Ron came in like his 98 or so. I think that was when he had his big cat push. Like when the whole, like, uh, you know, when Marvel was like in the bankruptcy oh God, uh, yeah, and they're yeah. revamping everything. I don't yeah. know. But um, so you said you, you read a bunch of comics uh, when you were a kid. You're also now you're working on other things other uh, than comics. You mentioned like album covers. I think you. I want to say I read somewhere that you worked on. Did you work on the Into the Spider-Verse? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't. Awesome. I'm not. I thought I was like, am I making that up? But I thought for sure I'd read somewhere that you'd worked on that. Um, so I got to ask, like, how was like, how's the album cover? How's the film thing? How do you how do you enjoy that world? Because those are very different than the comic book world, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, I like seeing my work in different avenues besides just comics. And I enjoy working with different art directors and editors and um Every experience is different. When I lived in LA, I started just meeting producers and art directors from different networks at like art shows and events and stuff. And so you become familiar with people, people, you know, learn your reputation. And I've always had a pretty good rep of like meeting deadlines, being on time, not 
fucking things up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, started, I started doing some character design work and animation going back to like late nineties, early two thousands with cartoon network, uh, working on like the very first teen Titans cartoon. Oh, wow. Um, I wound up optioning a couple of my own shows that never got made to various networks. And then, Oh, that's I, really cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. So just these, you know, different experiences that uh, yeah. just add to your kind of arsenal in your portfolio. But uh, a buddy of mine, a producer named Mike Moon wound up going from Disney to Sony and hit me up in like 2015 about the Spider-Verse movie. And at the time they weren't saying anything about it. He just hired me to do a bunch of crazy, like Spider-Man imagery in my style. So without even saying Dude. Miles Morales or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I just got hired to do a bunch of crazy looking Spider-Man shit. And by chance, I threw in a drawing of Miles Morales in the Peter Parker Spider-Man blue and red outfit. And he wound up hitting me back and was like, will you come back for like round two and do more, like do passes on the main character? So it was like old Peter then Miles Morales, then Gwen Stacy, and then Peter's roommate. Uh, like, I can't yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I did that. And then like, you know, Lord and Miller saw what I was doing. And so it was me and then like 25 other artists that were all just turning in like mad amounts of character designs. And I think wow. basically what they do is they put all this shit up in, on a mood board in their office and they start kind of Frankensteining everything right. together where they're like, oh, we dig the jacket that Mafu did on this character. We dig, we, we dig this that this artist did. We did so eventually it was like I got to do passes on every character, including like Spider-Ham and oh awesome. All this stuff. So so I worked with those guys for about off and on for like two years. And wow. then um I started seeing footage of what they were doing and I was just completely blown away by, I, I had no idea they were going in this like super stylized ultra hip yeah. direction with him, like spray painting and all this crazy shit. So um, it was, it was incredible, man, to be part of it. Um, I mean, it's gotta be one of the, the best Spider-Man film adaptations ever. I mean, it's just so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. such a game changer. I think yeah. like a wake up call for everybody, you know, we're like, Oh shit. Like it was just, I don't know. It was so unique. Now, can yeah. you say, have you worked on the sequel at all? I don't know if you can say that or not. Uh, I, I haven't, I, okay. I was, yeah, I, I was, uh, kind of bummed, but that I didn't get the call. But honestly, I think what they're doing is using new artists for each film. Okay. And I also think that they, um, Keeps it fresh, I guess. Yeah. I also think that they kind of like, they get the magic that they need from you. Right. And then, yeah. and then because it's studio and corporate, they're like, we, we got, we got his thing that we need. We, we can move on. We got, it. We got his juice. Let's get yeah. somebody else's. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. But when you work on a corporate thing of that scale, you sort of have to know, like, they're looking at all of my work and everything I turn in. It's like, you know, like I said, they have these mood boards in their studios and it and it's just 
especially now that everyone, every artist is voluntarily posting their own work every day on Instagram. Right. I mean, not to scare artists, but it's like there's studio executives and young people out there looking through this every day and cherry picking little things that they like from oh yeah your work and my work and so if you're new innovative fresh and hip people are looking at your shit listen i did a short film for a school i did a school here we go here Uh, we go i took a film class at a community college for fun and uh i i I made a short film um about a pizza delivery guy and uh (laughs) two years later the exact scene, scene for scene, shot for shot on a Domino's commercial. So I will, I will oh, say shit. it was pretty much shot for shot. Yeah. Now, when he told me this, I was like, all right, where, where's the tinfoil hat? Like, let's slow down. And I'm going to sue Domino's. And I saw it. And I was like, oh, shit. They actually, I mean, it, yeah, it was one of those. Like yeah. somebody probably saw his video on YouTube because we did a search, right? For yeah. like, what was the, what was it called? Oh, it's like pizza delivery or it, something. My, my short. Yeah. Love it for slice. Okay. So like you did like a search for like, like pizza slice Yeah, for like way down, it would pop up. So yeah. I was like, Oh, somebody probably, we were like, someone probably, probably did a, a YouTube search and then saw his, watched it and was like, Oh, that's a good little good, good part. And then yep. did you ever contact them? No. What? Come on, man. It doesn't, I should, I should it doesn't surprise him, right? me. It doesn't surprise well, me no. that, that that stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like yeah. I said, I mean, we are voluntarily all putting our work yeah. out there in the world. And it's just kind of like, you don't know who's seeing this stuff, you know? And I mean, that's kind of the ironic thing is I like an example of that is uh, two years ago, I did some loading screens for um, Fortnite, you know, super huge yeah. video game. Yeah. Epic yeah. Games, awesome. That's awesome. The kids that from Epic Games that hired me only knew me from my Instagram. They didn't know my comic book work. They oh, were wow. just like, they're just like, we just came across your stuff on Instagram. We think it looks awesome. We wow. wanted you to do some stuff for us. Uh, do whatever you want. Keep it PG rated. No butts, no blood, you know, no uh. crazy shit. But they're like, but do your bugged out style. But these art directors were kids that are in like their 20s. Right. So they don't know about any of my like old comic book shit and they, and it, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, them discovering what they like and yeah. kind of cherry picking. And in a way it, it makes it like really democratic in a way where yeah, you don't know who's going to stumble upon your stuff and, and just see it for what it is. And, and the credentials, it's like, I've never been asked if I have like an art degree no, or yeah. like no one gives a shit. They just want to know if you're appropriate for the job and you can make the deadline. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's about it. So that that's one of the things I like that, uh, that I, uh, that is to me very like democratic about being a freelancer is most of these people don't even know me or know what I look like or will ever even meet me. It's just an email from an art director or editor somewhere. Yeah. Who's like, can we hire you? Do you want to do the gig? Can you make the deadline? Maybe we can it's, work together. It's kind of crazy, right? Because like when you explain it to people that, I mean, most people I know are, you know, they they have a place where they go and they work and they, you know, they're on a contract or they clock in or something like that. So when they ask and I, you know, kind of break it down like you just did, they're like, what? 
people yeah, just yeah. Add it, you know so you know you don't ever talk to them i was like yeah you might but i mean I, I mean how many editor even in comics like how many times have you actually had like a real like video chat like this like we're doing now with an editor like never you know like i i don't even know yeah. half the editors i've worked with even look like <laughs> sure yeah yeah, yeah. It, i, I kind of like that though i kind of like yeah that it is just revolving solely on the output of what you do you know yeah. and like i said man like with comics especially very small community very small business if you are a fuck up and you can't make deadlines or you're an idiot or you're a bad person word's going to spread really quick right oh like yeah. everybody talks so you want to you if you're if you're going into the field i mean you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row and you can make deadlines you can be professional and you can bring you know your a game to to each job basically but yeah to me that's kind of a no-brainer saying that but then i'll meet young artists that are like oh i i missed the deadline or and i'm like you you can't do that yeah yeah i mean maybe once in your you know early in your career but i'm like you can't can't miss deadlines you can't have late books it's it there's like too much writing on all this now especially with it's so the fragile state of comics right now it's like Man, yep. you don't you don't want to risk like pissing off a retailer to where they drop your title from their shop or something like. Yeah. Oh know. yeah. Definitely. So, so, to I guess lighten it a little bit, I always view your work as kind of like I feel like I'm looking at rock and roll. A oh, nice. Bit. Do you is music like a big part of your life or your work process? Because I always just looking at it, I feel like that, and I know for me depending on the projects I'm working on, like, uh, like I recently been doing a lot last few years. I've been do a lot of like prehistoric stuff. Mm-hmm. So I listen to a lot of like, I don't know, like far cry four where you're like the Cape primal, like you're the caveman. Like I play that soundtrack all the time. I'm always in this, like, you know, heavy, like ancient drums and all that kind of stuff. Oh, weird, wow. Celt- nice. weird, like Norwegian. Yeah. But, but anyways, with your music, like what are, what what is the atmosphere that you're building for yourself? Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big music fanatic, obviously. So uh, uh, I've been collecting records since I was like 11 years old. So my collection has everything ranging from like Misfits to MF Doom. You know, whoa, okay. Um, um, rock and roll, 70s punk uh 80s ska jazz bebop hip-hop like i mentioned i'll even get slayer records out and get like super heavy with shit but yeah i love i love um now do you have any toto i don't own any toto but i'm not i'm not opposed to toto i'm not i gotta go you know my favorite (laughs) band damn it so what are your what is your some of your i guess top Top band. They're always consistently awesome. Uh, that, you know, is always in the mix. My top, uh, I'm a huge fan of Iggy and the Stooges. Like, I think the Stooges are kind of like the quintessential rock and roll band. Um, them, yeah. Like Black Sabbath mm-hmm. and uh, Zeppelin. Um, and then I'll go, you know, as far as like 
the 60s and 70s, like funk soul kind of stuff. I'm a huge James Brown fanatic, Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, yeah. Anything with those horns and that groove, like that's just great stuff to draw to. Yeah, that's the um, stuff I grew up on, man. Oh, yeah. I love oh, awesome. all that. Yeah, nice. my dad was always playing that stuff. Okay. Always. Yeah. yeah. My mom had all those records and was very funky for a, for a white Irish Catholic girl. <laughs> uh, and was always playing like... It was the 70s, so she was playing um, like the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ad nauseum, but then also like Curtis Mayfield's Superfly soundtrack. Oh, shit. So, that's like, awesome. Like real deep, like funky shit. And, and, yeah. You know, uh, and mixed with, um, God, what, like Jefferson Airplane and nice. Fleetwood Mac. And okay. So, um, but my favorites, yeah. I mean, I love the the '70s like uh, punk stuff, like I mentioned, Misfits over there, and um, uh, Dead Kennedys, Bad Brains, that kind of raw energy. Um, yeah. And then I'm a I'm a big like '80s '90s hip hop guy with like Public Enemy, Run DMC, that kind of classic golden era. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm revisiting uh, that right now, like Beastie Boys and yeah. uh, Tribe Called Quest yes. and all that, and it's like oh, I forgot how. Like it's for me, it's winter, so that means it's snowboard season. So if I'm going up to the mountain, it's like Beastie Boys, Tribe Called Quest. We have to have that playing because that's yeah. going to set the the tone for the day, you know. Yeah, I'm an ex skateboarder, so that was like okay. the soundtrack for skating as well. There's yeah, yeah, something, yeah. Something about that music and like being in motion. Yeah, yeah. Either on a snowboard or a skateboard, but it was just like part of our vernacular as skaters, as kids that would yeah. like. In the Midwest, we would skate up to the, you know, comic shop, buy our comics, then hang out and loiter in the parking lot, skate. Someone would have a little shitty boom box and we would be playing, you know, like That's Beastie awesome. Boys tape cassettes. And yeah, um, it, it, you know, that was part of our aesthetic as me and my friends as like just a crew. Yeah, um, see, I'll meet you guys in the middle because I listened to that playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater and 1080 Pro <laughs> Snowboarding. So there, there go. we go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you knew when uh, like Root Down or Sabotage was coming on, it was going to get, uh, yeah, people were going to be pulling some heavy shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People were getting hurt. That's what was going to happen. Well, there, <laughs> I think there, like there's even snowboarding, like there's literally snowboarding and skating in the Beastie Boys music videos from that era as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, Check Your Head early 90s era and stuff like that. So, yeah, but for me, man, like I always associated getting away from my family and locking myself in my room and drawing with listening to music. I'd crank up okay. the music, hang out, look at comic books, draw. And that was like my escape. Yeah. And I think I still use that now, but um, living alone, it's basically just my escape now from like the world, yeah. the real yeah. horrific oh, yeah. world that we live in where I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm. I'm going to go home today, chill, listen to music, draw. And I'm the master of my domain that way. Like I'm in control and I just feel great when I'm doing that. So again, like I mentioned earlier, like I, one of the reasons I still get jazzed every day to wake up and, and do art and make images is that's where I shine. You know, that's where I'm like, Oh, I, I know how to do this. Like, even if shit doesn't work out that day, say I mess up the piece or it's just not a greatly, it's not a productive day. It, sure. 
being in the studio, it, just the vibe of it, the atmosphere, it never feels like a wasted time to me. Yeah. 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 No, I, I am right there with you. Yeah. That's uh there's something, especially if you can cultivate like that, you said that bubble for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. where you just, you're going into a very cool place where cool things happen. Even if it's just a chill time, uh, like over Christmas, we had like some people came over and we ended up just sitting down in the studio on the floor. Cause I don't have any furniture in here really, except for the desks, right. you know? So we just all sat on the floor, drink, drink, whatever we had and listen to music the whole time and just bullshit it. And it was just, oh, I was the best. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love but, that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, right. It's, it's, you know, things are too crazy out there. So yeah, you just got to chill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, luckily I, again, like I, I feel like I, I luckily just chose the correct career path for the current state of things as well. Just cause yeah, I did most of this new girl Scouts comic series last year because there was nothing else to do. And yeah, a bunch of other freelance stuff kind of ended or fell to the wayside. And I was like, I'm just going to hunker down, man, and concentrate on doing my book. Like I'm, I know what I want to do. I'm writing, I'm drawing, I'm doing every aspect of it. It's like my work is cut out for me. So I know yeah. what my purpose is every day. And I don't know how, how you guys are, but for me, it's like, I don't like feeling directionalist. So I like knowing what I have to do when I wake sure. up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, oh, I, yeah, have to, yeah. I have to do this page or I have to start this new cover or I've got to. And that's why I was saying, like, I even do my prep works usually at night when I'm just chilling on the couch of starting to think about what I want to do, some layouts, some sketching, because I just, I like having that plan of attack the next day and just going yeah. fully yeah. into it. Yes. I love that. I'm not that organized. I'm going to be honest. I'm still trying to figure out. And sometimes it's like the, I don't know. I still get in that where it's either there's too much work or there's not enough work. Mm -hmm. And obviously you'd rather have too much work than not enough work. But when there's too much work, sometimes I, I don't know, I get lost in the like, Oh fuck, that's the mountain I got to climb today. I don't even know where, what's the first handhold? Where do I even start? But I, I need to, I think I should start doing like that where like when I'm done, you're done. And then you jump into the the thumbnail process. It's more relaxing. You can flow more. Um, yeah. It's probably not the best way to start the day. <laughs> I, I come from a military background from where, you know, you know, everything that you have to do and where you have to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so then when you get out, it's like, oh, shit, what, what am I? What, I don't have anyone telling me what to do. So, I, you know, have to, having to find that like happy medium, right? Where, uh, you know, I still have things that I need to do for myself, but also, um, you know, get that little bit of flexibility that you might not have never had before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad is an ex like army guy and yeah. you can okay. tell just having that training, it's stuck with him and still does for the rest of his life. I mean, he's like up at the same time every day has this regimented schedule ran our household like the military where we all had like chores i actually teach a class about that about (laughs) about those uh about that skill set no because i i work for the department of veteran affairs and uh yeah i actually teach a class about 
Um, it's called Battle Mind to Home Mind. So the skills that you learn to survive in the war zone, and then what it looks like when you, uh, what they, what it can look like when you come back home, because mm. those things oh, all stick with you. Yeah. So I actually teach, I teach a class on that. Wow. It, it did benefit me. Like I explained to my dad a couple years ago that like his extreme discipline and like regimented way. Uh, luckily my mom was super chill and they had a real nice yin yang balance. balance yeah, yeah. But him always, I basically explained to him the discipline you tried to instill in me of like being on time, keeping my room clean, the car clean, the lawn mowed perfectly. I didn't give a shit about any of that, but I took that same discipline and put it into my drawing, right? put it into my yeah. craft that I'm passionate about. And when I explained it to him that way, he was like, oh shit. Okay. I, I didn't realize that. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I was like, I was like, it did work. What It all factors tried, over. Yeah. Your crazy OCD way of running our house. It did work. It's just, it didn't work on the keeping shit clean, but it was like, no, I'm going <laughs> to take this and put it into my, you know, the, the way I approach your creativity, essentially creativity. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. you don't associate creativity with being I was Regi- say, like yeah. regimented, yeah. but at the same time, it's like the most creative people I know and the most successful creative people I know, they have a, kind of a, a regimented balance to them. You know, like I know guys that like their workout in the mornings, they get up and they sketch for a half hour while they're drinking their coffee. And right. it's just like, that's right. their, their it, it, this, no one sees the sketches. They're just throwaway sketches, but they're just moving the pencil and working out like a form, even to have, has nothing to do with their work. And um, I don't know. It, it's uh yeah, there, there's a, there's a structure to everything. It's kind of, it, you wouldn't think it would go hand in hand, but it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also like, you know, uh, at the time, my own selfish teenage, you know, asshole kind of kid. So anything that they were, my parents were telling me, I was like, yeah, I got it all figured out. And I (laughs) I left home when I was 18, like right after uh, high school, I was like, you guys are awesome, but you're crazy and you don't understand me because I'm I'm an artist and I'm living on the edge. (laughs) <laughs> and I need to go find my own path. I need yeah, to. Yeah. And they're like, all right, weirdo, whatever, you know, good luck. Um, but when I started getting work and I started, I guess, making it, you say they were uh, pleasantly surprised and very proud. You know, they were like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, shit. You figured out because they didn't know how to help me. You know, I was like, I want to pursue a career in art, illustration, comics. They said, that's fine but we don't know anything about that. So we don't know how to help you. Mm-hmm. That My family was the exact same way and they would so, try and give advice, but you're like, it doesn't work that way. It's right. you don't just, you don't just go and apply at a company and then you work there for 10 years with a pension. It doesn't work that way. Right. Guys. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, uh, when I was a kid real quick, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought from reading comics that you literally did have to, moved to New York city and you would go to Marvel or DC every day and clock in 
if you were going to draw comics, like I literally thought it was like a nine to five day job. So did and, I. And I, all the I artists would, yeah. lived in New York. Like I didn't know yeah. the concept of freelancers when I was a kid. It This was all explained to me years later when I was like a teenager. Some older artist I met at a show was like, no, dude, like most artists don't live in New York. We use FedEx. Right. And the artwork in and. This was before scanning art, yeah, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, we got this thing, FedEx, and we don't have to just live overnight in New York. Your pages, man. To me, that that was like, oh shit. Well, that makes it even easier then, dude. I dropped out of college because I thought that you just you you had to get a job in New York. So I went to the, I got into the Kubert School, and I was like, well, this is perfect. I'll go to this this comic book college. And then at the in the third year, when you're about ready to graduate, they give you an interview with Marvel in DC. And I was like, perfect. I'll go do three years. I'll get really good, work my ass off, and then I'll get hired by Marvel or DC and I'll just work in the offices there and we'll be New Yorkers. It'll be great. Quickly found out that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You know, when were so, when when were you at the Kubert school? Uh I was there from uh I think what it be oh six oh seven to oh eight oh nine, uh, right. yeah. Because it's, it's just a three year program, um, but yeah, I had like a semester left of uh, of like a for my bachelor's at uh, Washington State University, it's just like a bachelor's in like fine art or something. Okay, and um, I was like, no, I got into the Cuber School, Sayonara, everybody, uh, and I and then yeah. <laughs> Packed up my car and drove out to, out to New Jersey. <laughs> wow. I've heard so yeah. many different stories from people that have gone to that school. Some good, some bad. Uh, it's did you, did you get anything out of it? Or yeah, I actually really loved it. Um, I mean, I would say there's good and bad with it, just because it is like like how you would like think how they would cast like an '80s movie for an art school. <laughs> especially a comic book school, you get those most bizarre people in. And I don't mean that in a bad way, just like all of, you know, like the, the wonderful weirdos of your life, all of a sudden you're all going to the same place. So like, you know, like, Oh, my cousin told me a story about this weird guy I went to high school with. That guy's probably going to be at the Cuber school yeah. because yeah. we're all weirdos. We're all like into this like strange stuff. And so it was interesting because it, I didn't have, I grew up very in a very rural area, so I didn't have access to a lot of like pop culture stuff, except for like the reruns that I would, that my dad exposed me to, which was on like 50s, 60s stuff. So I missed the whole like image boom. I missed all that stuff. Like I, you know, I yeah, read some you Captain quote Am- every episode of the Munsters. That's true. Yeah. So there you go. Like, have, uh, do I know? Have I seen a ton of Gilligan's Island? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, but it was the perfect place for that because you've got like we had like working professionals, we had former editors who were all teaching classes, um, and then you've got like these you know all these individuals from all over the world. Like we had people from Europe and we had people from Asia and then people from all over the US and Canada. It was it was actually kind of a, a wonderful experience. Now I would say they ran it like the deadlines were how it was in the 60s. So the burnout rate was super high. I mean they just would work you to death. I would say nobody came out with like a phenomenal portfolio. It was like you get through the program, get your assignments done. And then that summer work on your portfolio. But I was very um, like, 
I worked at the school. I worked in Joe's studio, like Joe had a studio downstairs, Telegraphics, that did all the military comics. So I worked there for the summer. So I made sure that I was like there 24 seven, the first one at the building, last one to leave um, year round. And, uh, and I think that benefited me because I got to like know Joe kind of on a little bit of a personal level, same with like Adam and Andy. And so I could, I'd see them throughout the summer. So school never stopped. So while everybody was taking summer break, I was like, uh, I could play catch up. And so it allowed me to catch up. So, you know, I, I think that helped me actually make it as a professional, um, you know, where, cause I wasn't, I wasn't very, I wasn't very good. I, you know, I had zero understanding of comics where when I got there, I was like, Oh shit, everybody, all the people I was going to school with, it seemed like they knew every artist, every writer, every editor, uh, they'd read every Marvel DC comic ever published. You know, it was one of those where I was like, I didn't even, I knew, I knew, uh, Jack Kirby. And that was, I didn't even know who Jim Lee was when I went to the Cuber school. And this was 2003. I should have known who Jim Lee was at the very, you know, yeah, two thousand yeah, six. I yeah. should have known, but yeah. So I think that now I was like, "Holy shit!" I just I went so blind. <laughs> I right. just went right in. But that's the beauty of youth, right? You can make these decisions. Like, nope, I want to be a comic book artist. I don't know anything about it, but it seems like a good yeah, way to my, find out. That's my niece. That's my thirteen-year-old niece right now wants to be a comic book artist. So nice. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we didn't have YouTube back in the early two thousands to just where I could like watch a video on how to be a comic book artist. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's pretty I, good though. Yeah, I don't even know if kids need to go to physical art school at this point. Like, save save the tuition money and maybe just. I always recommend you know find a local figure drawing class in your town or city. Get yeah. your figure drawing and your anatomy chops in chops in person if you can do it from a live model that way, and then learn all your other technique stuff through. YouTube, maybe I don't know. I don't know if that's terrible advice, but no, I would I've, fifty grand a year, man, to go to a school and then dude, four yeah. years later getting out with like six figures of student loan debt. It's yeah. it's yeah. it's fucking crazy. Yeah, I no, I I advise the exact same. I'll I'll tell kids. I go if you got good grades and you're a good student and you can get into a state school program, take advantage of it. Get a bachelor's degree. Learn. Take some business courses. Um, get like a well-rounded, take some English courses. Cause you might decide that, you know what, you're like writing and you want to write your own comic stories beyond just drawing them. Um, and all that stuff will, you know, give you kind of, or if there's any other subjects you're interested in, you never know, you know, you might decide you're like, you know, find out that you love anthropology and get your minor in anthro anthro or whatever. I, I don't know, you know, that way. Cause like, I would say like, I hated when I was in college, but I lean on those classes that I took at Washington state so hard now um, because it kind of just gave me a foundation for other things beyond, you know, comic wow. book stuff. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I would say I'm with you. like Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube. There's so many good tutorials of like amazing artists just drawing, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is how I draw a figure. And you know, you're like, Okay. It's amazing, man. I mean, yeah, YouTube alone, I'll just be like, oh, wow, look at all these videos. On <laughs> yeah. And on just shit like drawing hands. Yeah. It's like yeah. 5,000 videos. Like, I've been drawing hands for 30 years, but some of these videos are actually teaching me like new. Right. 
and it's not just the art too they've got like there's classes or that you can watch at youtube videos on like doing layouts you know and uh you know making you know page flow all of those different things it's crazy yeah yeah i mean it's like you can learn like every stage it seems like of the comic process um you know like in the summer (laughs) if you have the discipline for sure yeah i mean it seems like a, I mean, but that that's kind of comics, right? It seems like the people who stick with it and yeah. stay in it are the people that are obsessed, you know, where they yeah. love it. I mean, you have to be, right? You just kind of have to be. The, um, the, the diehards. You can kind of like tell the kids that are just into it as a hobby. Yeah. Or just into drawing in general as a hobby. And I, I think that's fine to keep, have hobbies for sure, yeah. but like to pursue it as an actual dream and to make a living off it and to be in the grind of it every day requires a certain amount of like just undying passion mixed Mm. with slight insanity. I would say, you know, just to want to like do this every day, the countless hours alone in a studio hunched over a drawing table. (laughs) It's a specific calling. It's not for everybody. Right. So, and me, and like when I dabbled in all these different fields of illustration and animation, different things I did when I was living in LA, I got to, you know, paint a set on a TV show at one point, you know, just do different things. Drawing comic books is still the most intense and difficult form of visual art that there is, man. Like, any comic book artist that makes a living doing this every month, uh, whether they're Marvel, DC, indie, my hat goes off to them because I know how much work is involved in this yeah. trade. And I know illustrators and, and other guys in other fields that are like, you just make one drawing a month or one image or animation. You're still working hard, but you've got a team to support you. Whereas if you're doing comics every day, turning out pages every day, that's a really intense way to live. It, it, yeah, it, it's a grind. Like, you know, just from being in Portland and even just doing this podcast, um, you know, we've gotten to have some really great conversations. Like people like Terry Dotson, right? Yeah. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. You know, or yeah. And like Terry's awesome, but like, man, him and Rachel, you look at how much work they put out and the quality of work they put out, like, you know, highest tier in the industry you possibly could imagine you can be at. And they're just constantly putting stuff out, new projects, whether it's like X-Men or their own, you know, like adventure man or something like that. Yep. And it's just one of those where I'm like, I don't know. Like I, I look at myself and I go, I don't, I don't know if I have that level of, um, of uh, crazy in <laughs> like, that's a, uh, that's a grind, man. Like, and yeah, I, I don't know. It really, it really makes you realize how how great some of these individuals in the industry are, you it's, know. My hat goes off, man. It's it's intense. That's why I usually take breaks in between projects. Like yeah. when I finish this last issue of the new Girl Scout series, I want to take two to three months and catch up on. I have to catch up on commissions. I want to do a couple of my own personal projects. I've got a couple of illustration things I want to do, but I'll probably do a two to three three month break maybe from sequentials just because that's awesome. Yeah. It, it's been, this has been going on for like two and a half years now of working on this series. And it's like, it, it, it becomes intense. It's, it's, uh, yeah. 
it takes I, over it takes over your life really in a way it, i think that's great though because i you too often have heard like don't take you know what you're only as good as your last project once you finish one you got to jump on the next one i like the idea of like no, I'm making sure that I've got some time to take a break to catch my breath. So you don't get like that, that burnout, which so many people are experiencing right now. You know, like so many people yeah. are coming forward and going like, no, I'm, I'm burned out. I've been grinding. And then the pandemic hit and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot of shit to deal with, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, everyone yeah. is at their own, their own pace. Everyone can kind of like, um, produce at, at, at their own level. But um, yeah, I mean, I've got buddies that are like my age that we've been in this for a while now and everyone at some point has to kind of put the pause button on for a minute and just reassess. And when I was younger, I was like, fuck that. I'm never doing that. I'm going for yeah. But the older you get, the more you're like, you can take a little time off and it's not going to end your career. Like right, it's not right the end of no. the world. Like you can, you, you don't want to like fry yourself out to the point where you can't come back. Yeah. You know what I mean, like you don't oh, want, definitely, you don't want like a permanent, uh, burnout. You yeah. Know? You don't want to be where you get to the point where you just don't like it. Like, um, I don't know if, did you read, uh, monsters by, uh, Barry Windsor Smith? Did you see you know, that? I, I, it's on my to do. Okay read my my to to read list it's on my pile yeah. awesome oh okay it looks incredible it, it is looks- okay i was good well yeah i was gonna say uh there was an interview with him where he was talking about how he just got to the point because you know he grinded for years and years where he just hated drawing like permanent burnout and he said that when he was doing monsters i mean it took him years you know what was it like oh, yeah. a 20 year book or something in the making and he said that uh it was the most like unenjoyable process trying to get that book done. He knew he wanted to get it done just because he like, it was, you know, such a, like he felt one of his, the best things he'd ever done. And it is, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, but like you hear him talk about it and you're like, it's really like, it was, there's a, there was a lesson to be learned in there. It's like, Oh man, like this guy, like he doesn't like drawing anymore. He doesn't want to draw anymore. Yeah. You know? And it's like, fuck that sucks. Cause he was so, yeah. He's so influential uh, by industry standards and also just a phenomenal storyteller that you're like, man, I, I really don't ever want to get like that where you just doesn't matter how good you are. You're just like, yeah, f- fuck the shit. Right. <laughs> you know? right. I know, man. And you see the level of craft that he puts in his work and what he was doing that made him popular. Like even just the Marvel Comics Presents Weapon X. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like you, yeah. I, I revisited those recently and I'm like, this is some of the best drawing yeah. in comics ever. I don't know how you would keep this up on a consistent basis, but as yeah. a standalone thing, it's this gorgeous seminal work. But um, I, I'm not surprised hearing that drawing became unenjoyable for him because yeah, how would you even keep up that level of, craft and intensity yeah yeah exactly just i think it was just too much too much i mean i don't know what he's been doing um i know he's one of those guys I, I would like to get him on the podcast but at the same time I, i'm a little like intimidated <laughs> like <laughs> what would i talk to him about oh man you know uh yeah you're it, it's like so do you want to 
ever look at a comic book page again? He'd be like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, I don't. End of interview. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Bry. Is it time? I think it's time. All right. All right. So this next uh this next little bit we do, we ask all of our all of our guests who come on the show, we call it the question. And uh, the question is, um, if you were given free reign to make a comic of any IP or character, uh, doesn't have to be comics. Uh, you could be like a TV character, a movie character, whatever, whatever it might be, a book character. What would you do? Man, good question. Um Sky's the limit on that. Uh, shit. Got him. You know, I, I, um, I have several different answers. That's okay. But, Spit uh, them out. We got this. Uh, I mean, as far as like characters go, I'm, I'm a Spider-Man yeah. fanatic. So anything in the realm of Spidey, mean me being able to do my own thing with that. Yeah. Uh, if it was DC, it would be Batman and, and teaming up like obviously the, with like Frank Miller, if we're talking dream team go. situation wow. of just, let's just make it as weird as we can. Like, yeah. like yeah. me and Frank working together. Why not? Sure. Um, the other part of me is like, I'm a huge fan of weird, strange psychedelic stuff. So like working with like Alejandro Jodorowsky, the guy who did the in call with Mobius, like something yeah. Very strange, bugged out, sci-fi, psychedelic on that realm, like European kind of style, weird shit. Um, and then there's also just me continuing on with my own IP and my own characters. Yeah. Which I do really love just writing and drawing my own stuff and being like the master of my own domain. So, Definitely. But having that, and but just reaching a much bigger audience. Sure. Yeah. Because right now, you know, it it um, it's weird, you guys. Like, I, I go back and forth on this, but our pop culture now is so heavily dominated by nostalgia. It yeah. sometimes concerns me because oh, yeah. I'm putting out a book through Image that's just my IP, new creation, my me writing, drawing, doing my own thing. And I get concerned sometimes because I feel like the masses at large consuming pop culture are not interested in new ideas. They want yeah. the next Spider-Man movie. They want more Star Wars on Disney Plus. They want what they're completely familiar and comfortable with. Yeah. There's not anything wrong with that. But I guess like growing up in the 80s era of comics where it was like you have Marvel and DC, but you've also got like tons of indie comics ninja turtles cerebus mm -hmm. the tick like all this interesting ip new new ideas and the future we're moving into i do i sometimes get concerned about like the lack of um interest in new ideas sure yeah but maybe I that's mean, just me being sensitive to well it. look it's the know. you know the biggest movie of the last few years is the newest Spider-Man and it had the past two Spider-Men in it. So I can certainly, I can certainly hear what you're saying. And I loved it by the way. Um, I think I did too. Yeah. yeah. It, but, but watching the movie, 
I started getting this feeling of uncomfortableness yeah. where I walked out of it. And my younger brother was like, that was the shit. That was incredible. And I was like, it was fantastic. But the whole movie to me was like, hey, remember this thing that you loved before? Right. Here it is again. Remember this yeah. character that you loved in this other thing? There they Here are. That's why again. I loved Into the Spider-Verse so much, because it was nothing yeah. you've ever seen before, right? It was still... But still familiar. Yeah, still it's still taking characters that you know and love, but it's giving you, you know, that new thing. And in a you know, in a in a nostalgia based society that I guess we're in now, um, you need to find that balance. You need to find that balance of you know tapping into that nostalgia because that's happy memories. That's bringing back things that you love. But you know, we we still need to figure out and and, and find new things. Find it is interesting. You hear a lot of like people complain that that is oh there's not enough original content, but it seems like there's so much original content. It's just it's not getting you the attention. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it gets it gets lost under the the massive waves of uh, nostalgia. I guess you know. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and it's it, it it's interesting too because like pop culture and because of social media and all this, everything is splintering off into these real specific niche right. audiences. Yeah. So comic books themselves now are almost like a niche scene and a niche uh, art form. And then within comics, like I said, like a guy like me writing and drawing his own indie comic, even if it's published by image, that's sort of its own weird, small niche right. thing. So, you know, we can live in a world where all this stuff exists together, but I guess my hope and dream would be like more people get turned on to the original yeah. IP, the original yeah. ideas. Um, Cause I want younger kids to come up and be like, I can make, I can write and draw and create my own characters. I can do my own. Right. Thing. Like I want to know who's going to invent like the next Ninja Turtles, man. Like where's, Where's that going to come from? Who's going to, who's going to do that? You know? And so that's the stuff that keeps me excited. Like the new, a new Batman movie is cool. It's exciting, whatever, but I'm more excited about like, who's going to give us the next TMNT or, you know, yeah, right. Adventure time or. So look at, look at how things go. Like when Netflix, like stranger things is a great example, right? Mm -hmm. That was this brand new thing. And it kind of for like a year, like a year or two, there was like a cultural phenomenon. It was the thing. That oh, it'll be bad when the about. new season drops. It'll 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 return to glory. Right, right, yeah, yeah but it, yeah, and you see it, but it's only it's in pockets. You don't see it as much, I guess, with comics right, right now. Right, there hasn't been. It's mostly kind of name brand stuff that's really exploding. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Is there any big? Does Image have any crazy? Um, like Walking Dead's dead, right? Or not dead, but done. Um, they got any th- any giants going on right now? Uh, well, Saga is coming back this month. Yeah. Like, oh, that's right. Saga's reigniting. I think literally like next week or the following week, like after a two year, two years, year, three years. Hiatus. Yeah. So that I mean that's a big deal for them. That's going to do yeah. well. And, yeah. Hell, uh, Taco Bell just did a commercial with the characters being cosplayed in or something like that, which I, I saw it. Taco I was, Bell oh. did? Yeah, it was Taco Bell, you know, because they, they're, oh, I think they were trying to like, 
oh, you know, like, oh, it was like two characters are in the subway after Comic-Con and they were both dressed as characters from Saga and they see each other and kind of do the nod. And then it cut to their, they rode the subway down to Taco Bell and were, you know. Interesting. Wow. Okay. And I, I remember seeing like, oh, shit. Like, wow. Okay. So- Saga's a big deal. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's a, it's a great book. So, yeah. It, you yeah, know, it I, is. It, it, if people were making good work like i can't uh, i'm all i'm proactive on that being you know out there in the world like mm-hmm. that's that's cool yeah so uh it's hard to keep up with everything that's coming out but um i've got like you know my favorite stuff that i look at and read and check out but that's the other thing too is like just keeping up the, with the amount of <sighs> content yeah that's going on in the world right now is that's its own baffling ordeal at this point. So yeah, well, that kind of segues actually rather beautifully into our next kind of segment is um, as we start winding down. We like to go over what everybody's kind of reading mm. uh, mm-hmm. comic wise, just what's new on the shelf that uh, is hitting everyone's fancy. So Jim, what are you reading, man? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to my lit. Um, I really love Ed Piscor's Red Room. Speaking of brand new IP indie comics, he's doing this crazy horror slasher type series at Fantagraphics. Oh, uh, that's uh, I think he's on issue four or five of that. Um, wow, Fantagraphics is doing floppies. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the first collected trade of it just came out as well uh, just a couple weeks ago. So I've been digging that. Um, I love James Heron's Ultra Mega. Yeah. So good. Skybound. That for 2021, that was one of my favorite titles that yeah. completely blew me away. Um, what else am I reading? I'm trying to visualize. Uh, Layla Starr at Boom, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr. I don't know if you guys check that out. I have not. No. Um, really fantastic. Written by Rom V, who's writing swamp thing right now at dc okay um uh that book was spectacular um um, check it out i think you'll dig it um it was just like a five issue mini series and i believe the trade came out today oh uh, awesome from from boom and um shit what else uh, decorum by my buddy, Mike Huddleston at image comics, Jonathan Hickman writing my old roommate from art school. One of my best friends, Mike Huddleston is the illustrator of that. That was, whoa, fantastic. whoa. You roomed with Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. He was my That's roommate a- in college. So now let me ask you this because I went to school and sat next to Tamara Bonvillian, who was like, even as a student, she was just like one of the top people in our class and like, and by far the best colorist. Sure. Which now that's all she's doing is just destroying, just, you know, dropping bombs, uh, beautiful, beautiful color bombs on the comic pages. So was Mike a beast back in college too? Yeah, he was the best guy in yeah. his class. He was two years ahead of me and then I met him and we became like a penciler inker team. So he was penciling and I was inking, but um, he was the, yeah, he was the best guy in his class. He was already phenomenal he's already like professional where you're yeah. like what are you doing here man <laughs> i was like oh i have to become friends with this guy so i oh, so i can learn everything from him you know mm-hmm. um, yeah decor like, I, 
Yeah, I love decorum. So awesome. I can't wait to pick up the trades for that. Yeah, dude, they're doing like a crazy, classy, like hardcover that's yeah. almost 400 pages of I'm material. Buying. Mike was I'm telling buying. me about it wow. the other day. I was like, wow, shit. Okay, this is going to be awesome. Um, so that that stuff and um, shit, what else? I really loved uh, the Me You Love in the Dark that Scotty Young did at Image with... Uh, oh, with Jorge. Jorge. Yeah, yeah. I'm good buddies with Jorge, former guest yeah. on the show. Oh yeah. shit, I love his stuff, man. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, um I, yeah, Jorge and he's he's also just he's so much fun to hang out with. Him and I um will occasionally we do this convention over in Boise and uh so we'll meet up there and uh and like his wife uh, Morgan who's also a super talented artist. Uh, I think she's doing something with image or DC or somebody like that right now. Anyways. uh, So we'll all go out and go get dinner and stuff. And there's just so much fun to just, they're just wonderful people. You know what I mean? Not only super talented, but then also like amazing folks to hang out with. That's perfect. I love his stuff, man. He's, he's so good. Yeah. Um, He's killing it right now. And uh, another book that's really popular that I just read and just discovered over the holidays was um, something is killing the children. I've heard oh, great yeah. things about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Horror this- title at boom studios. And it, it, it blew me away. It's really good. Really? Okay. It's I'm, very, I'm very like it sucks you in. And I just went from one trade to the next reading it. I was like uh, consuming it. I was like, this is the story's great. The art's great. It really brings you in. I'm a horror fan anyway. So oh, okay. it, it, it's, it's just a very well done, creepy, awesome, well-told story. Wow. So um, yeah, I'm looking at my shelves. I think that's kind of it. I, I read like lots of old stuff too. I'll just reread shit from yeah. my collection. I reread Akira this year, like the entire. Oh, wow. Book sized you know all six volumes of that and, and just filled my head with that crazy otomo brilliant manga that dude to me is still one of the best things ever made in pop culture oh. it's like yeah i mean yeah. i don't i don't will they ever talk i mean i don't know if anything will quite be as impactful uh as that I don't, I don't even know you want to call it manga or even anime because the anime, like the film and stuff was such a huge deal. And I think yeah. it, especially for America, like I think American artists, that was like, I know for me, that was like some of my first experience with that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it was like, oh, oh, whoa, this is way more. I didn't even realize there was this kind of like level of animation and comics going on in the world. This is insane. Like yeah. it's just next level stuff. And it, dude, it's still holds up today right now as being like ahead of its time. Just yeah. reading the books. I was like, I don't know if anybody is doing comics like this at this level right now. And this shit was made like 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like this is longer yeah. than that. It was longer made in the, that. Yeah. In, the, in the 80s. It's like fucking 30 years old. Or Yeah. And it's one of those where they had to do it old school. Like, Every there was no like models or SketchUp or any of that stuff, which you know, like I completely see the value in all those tools because they make they streamline the process. But like 
that was like old school, like pencils and drafting tools and like three or four guys, like, you know, sharing a desk and working on the same page. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a heart. It's just, it's so hardcore, like yeah. the most hardcore. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. So it's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm still inspired by like brand new stuff that's coming out. That's good. But also I always have like half of me rooted in kind of like, the, the classics in the past and like just like I said digging through old boxes discovering old comics I'm still super inspired by Jack Kirby and like the shit he was doing in the 70s like mm-hmm. rediscovering new gods a couple of years ago and all the fourth world stuff just the scope of his imagination like even if my stuff doesn't look like his the fact that one visionary guy can make this stuff to me is just very inspiring to I, be. Creative. I have the, uh, the DC's absolute Jack Kirby, uh, fourth world. So like the giant hardback deluxe. Whoa. Oh, it's gorgeous. Does it weigh like 50 pounds? Yeah, it's that huge. One? It's yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful though. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I love all that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you got, man? So I just I don't have as many, but I have one and that I've been looking forward to for a while. But this is uh, part of the DC's uh, Black Label line, and so yeah. it's uh, issue one of uh, Bat Batman One Dark Knight by uh, Jock. So he, oh yeah, I I just got that. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. It's r- really cool. Um, I love I love his uh, I love his art. I love his page design. Um. There's something uh I hey Brian, yeah. I will be right back. You guys just keep going. I just have to hit the the head so bad. Sure. You could have just went. God, just let it just let it go. Just let it go. Um that's why you get Gatorade <laughs> bottles, buddy. Uh exactly. <laughs> no, I I just I love the way he does his uh page design. Uh the way the way he designs it, I think it's uh phenomenal. He almost gives me like a uh uh, kind of a kind of a Frank Miller vibe like this this mm-hmm. definitely like I read this and I read oh this is this is uh you know gives me that gives me that Dark Knight Returns vibe obviously it's not the Dark Knight Returns you know one of the greatest uh books of all time but it's 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 phenomenal I mean it's uh you know I don't I don't necessarily want to spoil it for you but uh, so if you I, if you haven't I haven't read it, read it yet okay. I, I did buy it because I I'm a huge fan of his where I'm buddies with jock like he's a really good guy really cool dude um so i've got to hang out with him at conventions oh, cool. a times. and well, there's um, a page in here that i want from him <laughs> and uh you should hit him up and see if you can get it but he Couldn't his stuff's it. awesome man and yeah that that's on my to read pile yeah but uh, he's he's just great with everything he does he's really good yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan as soon as i saw that he was doing this book i was like okay that's one that I got to get. I got to get my hands on it. So I actually bought two different covers of it. So uh, just because I think oh, nice. I think they're really cool. Is this who the Batman the, book? Yeah. Who, who, yeah did sure. the, who did the other cover? So I've got this is uh, Cliff Chang did this cover. Oh, uh, man. Okay, nice. And then the other one I got is uh, let's see. Where did it go? I'm not sure who did this one, but it's just a blackout with the with you probably can't see it very well. It's just blacked out with eye slits. Oh, shit. Like I have a silhouette. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see it. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. I I would I would bet that would be Jacques. Yeah. He he's man. That guy has such an amazing sense of design. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. His work is really fascinating. Yeah. So you will you will dig it. I think you will dig it. Cool. I'm gonna read it. Read it this weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Tad, what about you? Okay. So I picked one. Oh boy. I think we're gonna have to try and get the guy on the podcast because. Oh yes. It's like. It's like purposely he was like, I'm going to do every bad 80s cliche. It's it's almost like somebody was took a concept for an adult swim like cartoon and then packaged it as like a comic. So I don't normally read a lot of scout comics um, just because I don't see I'm not familiar with their stuff, but occasionally they put out stuff really interesting. And I got this book called it's called Mullet Cop. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can see it. I saw this at the comic shop, actually. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Like he, pur- like the artist purposely drew, like drew the guy's face has no facial expression, the hero. So it's very much like that eighties movie where like, it doesn't matter what's going on. He's just always like yeah. straight face with yeah, this yeah. goofy look on his face. And like the mullet kind of like, he gets like, he got, he has a RoboCop thing happen where he gets, he's a cop and he gets shot up and it's like post-apocalyptic in the future where like society like runs in a mall, mega malls, you know? And um, there's no cops, they're mall cops and he gets shot up and then they have to like enhance him, you know, bring him back. And the way they do that is they surgically graft this bullet on his head. <laughs> and then, and like then yeah. And then it's just him like, just think of every like bad 80s cop movie trope i think you like mean kind good of, 80s cop movie trope exactly yeah. there you go but it has that like sci-fi element too from like the mid 80s so it's like no i'm not who you think i am i'm a cyborg like and that's and like but he purposely <laughs> does it so you're like that's I, perfect. I like yeah when i first was looking i was like this is terrible but i was like no this is fucking amazing yes. <laughs> it's so great yeah, um, yeah, and I, like my, I ended up showing it, like sending it to my sister, and she was like, "I'm buying a physical copy." Like, fuck this, like digital stuff. I'm buying a physical, um, and she doesn't even read comics, you know, but she loves all this type of stuff. That's it was awesome. good, man. It was really great. Yeah, it just had like, and it did the whole Night Rider thing, but instead of a car, he's got like a microwave, um, because he's going undercover as a yes. like a buffet food uh restauranteur, you know, like it. It's just a, a the guy the artist on it is um I just closed it. Is it one guy writing and drawing and doing everything or is it I a believe team? I think it's one guy. Yeah, it's just one guy. He did he did everything for it. Um his name is Tom Lintern. Okay. And then it was edited edited by Andrea Lorenzo Molinari. I don't know who that is. Um but I'd never heard of Tom Lintern, but the dude's fucking amazingly talented. And if this doesn't get picked up by, I don't know, like, was it a 20, was it a 24 films or, oh, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know, or like yeah. adult swim, like they're yeah. crazy. Like this is, yeah, it just, it, you can totally see it play out as um, some type of like badass kind of retro throwback, you know, 80s style sci-fi movie. I mean, um, yeah, like Turbo Boy or something like that. It, it, it's really oh, Turbo Kid, yeah, or Turbo Kid, yeah. It very much had the, if you like Turbo Kid, yeah. you will like Mullet Cop. They're very much in the same like genre, you know, or like Psycho it. Gorman. It's oh, very much God. in the same. I love Psycho Gorman. Holy yeah. shit! 
Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan of like schlocky eighties, seventies and eighties kind of like B movie stuff, action, horror. Yeah. Eighties ninja movies, you know, like oh, yeah. films, all that kind of basically the shit that we grew up watching yep. on cable. Yep. What was the one series? Was it they made like eight of them? I think it was uh, American Ninja. Yeah. Did you ever see yes. those? Yes. It's terrible. Like each yeah. one just gets systematically worse and worse. I, and I didn't worse. realize that was that many. I know I've seen the first three, I think, but yeah, I, yeah they were making them up until like the early 2000s. You say that, but if you were at my house and I was like, yo, I got all eight American Ninjas. Oh, I'd be like, yeah, I guess uh, what we're doing. Them in. Yeah. <laughs> We well, we watched Knight Rider 2000 together. So recently, know, yeah, and it wasn't filmed in 2000. No, it was filmed in like 90, what? 1990. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I didn't even know. right after uh, we got we got back from Emerald City, we came back to my house and yeah. watched Knight Rider 2000. Right after we actually talked to you, we went back to his house and watched Knight Rider 2000. I was the inspiration and, for that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't. It even was know it that good? That existed. That sounds oh. amazing. Yep. It, it is. Yeah. It was is one that, of those where in it. Yeah. 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 They bring him back it's on Netflix so, right now. Oh my God. Okay. That's yeah. why I, that's why that I was like, be... dude, I wanted to say, I wanted to watch this so bad as a kid. Like I was so stoked when it came out, but I don't, I never watched this. So I was like, we're throwing this on right now. And Holy shit. That's what we did. That might be what I'm watching tonight. There it is. There you go. And, okay. and now subsequently I've been like, doing a Knight Rider rewatch. I'm almost to season three right now. So that's what I have on the, in the background while I work. So <laughs> Holy shit. And th- those are all on Netflix right now. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now I have to admit I'm, I'm doing an eighties rewatch too right now, but it's golden girls. Cause you know, Betty white just passed away. Yeah. Right, right. And I will say this dude, those girls threw fire. They were, they were throwing some serious heat at each other, especially, yeah, it's really show. it's really well written. Some of the stuff they say is totally fucked up too to each other. You like the burns, you're like, oh god damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Give props. The show actually does hold up. I, I saw a couple episodes recently and I was like, this is actually really well written. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. I was expecting it to be like, oh, it'll be one of these that I liked it when I was a kid because I thought it was funny, but it's not going to hold up. And then watching it, I was like, I think I like it more now because I actually get all the jokes, you know, especially yeah. all of the like, right. yeah, yeah. All the like I, the slut shaming that they do. <laughs> to Blanche. She was Blanche. A, a cougar ahead of her time. Oh man. Yeah. Blanche is an animal. Yeah. She's a trailblazer. <laughs> trailblazer. <laughs> For cougars everywhere. That's right. Yeah. And we love she wrote it. the book. Oh my God. That's, That's awesome. That's hilarious, man. All right. Well, we're kind of we're this is a, we're we're about wrapped up here. Uh, Bri, you want to uh, take us home, man? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, all right, Tiger Cubs. Um, as you all know, uh, if you want any and everything Blue Tiger Revenge related, Operation Blue related, all you have to do is hit up our Substack, and that's bluetigerrevenge.substack.com, um, which has every episode all of our episodes all of the pages um you can comment you can share it with uh with the world out there because of that tiger milk deficiency uh tiger milk calcium deficiency out there so we have to share it around to everybody in the world to make sure to uh 
get that get that bone density up with that tiger milk. So uh, rate, it's a holiday subscribe. season. Subscribe, yeah. It's the holiday season. Um, every day's a holiday at Blue Tiger Revenge. Uh, <laughs> 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 there's some new shirt designs up. I know it's been a while since we've talked about uh, our t-shirts, but uh, there's there's a new design up, and that is uh, revenge. Public. Yes, it's the revenge design. It's uh. You know, go to uh, tpublic.com, type in Blue Tiger Podcast. It is right there. Uh, Links in the notes. Links are in the notes. Uh, Hit it up. Have fun. Go crazy. Buy lots of shirts so I can buy uh, uh, a full-size drivable replica of Kit. So you guys need to buy a lot of shirts so I can make that happen. Um, And finally, uh, Jim, want to thank you for coming on, man. Really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, you guys. I had a great time chatting with you. Yeah. Where can uh, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, all my social media, Instagram, Twitter, it's all at Jim Mafood, just my name. Uh, JimMafood.com if you want to buy mini comics, prints, enamel pins. And uh, if you're in your local comic shop anytime soon, Girl Scout Stone Ghost is the name of my current comic book series. Issued one and two are out right now. Issue three drops on January 26th. There it is. Oh, so perfect check timing. It out. Check it out if you can. Awesome. And that is all I have, Tad. Do you have anything else? I probably do, but I'm not remembering what it is. So Good. I am all out of tiger milk, my friend. If that is the case, what time is it? Hit the music. Music.